What's going on, guys? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Philly Talks. Guys, we're talking about UFC 257. I'm going to recap the fight card that went through. Uh, it was a really good fight card. I really enjoyed it uh, from top to bottom. Um, so we're just going to go down the list, you know, a real quick recap of each fight that I main, mo- mainly the main card, but the one fight on the prelims that really impressed me a lot was we're going to start off in the prelims juliana pena versus sarah mcmahon that was a really good fight a lot of people have been asking if juliana you know is she you know she won the ultimate fighter um and everybody was thinking like is she done was she not done because she had hurt her knee a couple years ago tore her her acl so it's been a rough time getting back into the groove of things um and then since covid has hit you know a lot of people haven't fought last year so it's been you know i wanted to see how this one was going to go down sir mcmahon is a serious wrestler you cannot take her lightly but uh julian pena i think is just uh full rounded has the full game under control uh julian pena actually choked out sir mcmahon with one arm like that's how crazy this fight card was that out of everything that happened on the main card julian pena choking out sir mcmahon with one arm uh, still gets me. It was like, oh wow, that didn't see that one coming. Because Sarah, because after Juliana Pena had got the choking, Sarah McMahon was fighting that left hand where you know you're always supposed to fight the the left hand that's not on your throat because you know without that hand the pressure that's on your neck and then rear naked choke doesn't have any leverage, so you know that's not that much real pressure. Even while Sarah McMahon was fighting that hand and it wasn't even fully locked in. The squeeze that Juliana Pena had to get that choke in with one arm and tap her out. Jesus Christ. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what we call gorilla strength. That's like, wow, you just choked somebody out with one arm. Congratulations. You strong as shit. Like, facts. Now, the part that I loved about this also is she did one thing that a lot of other fighters, a lot of other fighters except Michael Chandler did. And we'll talk about that when we get to this fight. But she called out Amanda Nunez and said, hey, stop ducking me. I'm the next number one contender. Come fight me. I love that. I love that. I was at Sam's uh, house watching, you know, the fights with him and a couple of other buddies. And and I love that he, I mean, I love that she called out Nunez. Um, we were talking in that, in that group of people and I said, I love that she did that. Because everybody else is, you know, they're usually like, oh, like, whoever the UFC wants me to fight, blah, blah, blah. And one of the guys, I don't think he really follows MMA or not, but he asked me, like, why is that important? And I said, because you have to make me care. You know what I'm saying? Like, the best fighters that get reactions and get people to pay for their pay-per-views are the ones that make me care. Like, Julia Pena wasn't even on my mind five, ten minutes ago. Now she's over here, got an impressive victory. And then on top of that, she did the one thing you're supposed to do and call out your next opponent. So it makes me care. It makes me want to go, oh, I want to see if that fight's going to go down. You got to remember, once you win a fight, that's your time. You know, Chelsea has made that very clear. And I, and I, I agree with them. And it's, I think it was with him that I first heard it. Like, that's your moment to shine. Just because you won, it doesn't mean that's your that should be your highlight of the night. Your highlight should be you calling out your next opponent to guarantee a fight so people can care. And that's what she did. She called out the champ and said, hey, I'm here. You know what I'm saying? I want to fight you, which is good because Amanda Nunez really didn't have anybody to fight. I would like, if, like if you would announce Amanda Nunez against anybody, I would have been like, oh, okay, I guess it's just another fight. 
Julian Pena just got an impressive victory and called her out. I like that. You know what I'm saying? So if that starts to go into negotiations and they actually fight, I will I'm willing to to go watch that. I'm willing to go pay for it. I'm like, oh, like I was there when she won against Sarah McMahon, Julian Pena did. And she called her out. This like this is big. You know what I'm saying? Uh there wasn't that many people who did that that night. And and I and I think that's a, a lost art. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to do that because I know as a hardcore fan who the fighters are and you know I know who if number one is fighting number two, I don't need a story. It's gonna be a great fight, and I know it, then great. But for the casual fans, they need something to hang their head on. They need something to to to, to bite into. Go, oh, I'm a, I'm going to watch this fighter. You know what I'm saying? That's what you have. Once you get onto that stage and you're broadcasted and you're watched over a hundred million people around the world, you have to make people capture you. You know what I mean? Excuse me. You have to capture people. You have to get them to be like, you know what? I'm going to watch this fighter because what I just saw and what I just heard, I'm interested to see what happens next. So I'm, you know, props to Julia Pena. She got that massive win with that gorilla strength of uh, that she has. Uh, going to the main card. On this one, it was funny. I was I was talking, I was talking to Sam, and I told him that, you know, we were talking about Rebus, the the, the whole pre-fight and whatever and he goes uh he's like i'm going with reba so you going with steve and usually I, I try to you know just to make it fun i try to go the opposite side even if i know that reba is going to win i mean if i knew that one person is going to win i try to go the opposite side i try to play devil's advocate just to make it fun for everybody uh but on this one when i saw him in the cage i said no i think rodriguez might knock her out like she looked like she has the 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 uh the length she's taller and she has the length like if they go to the floor Rebus I think was was gonna is going to tap her but I think uh she should have the Rodriguez Marina Rodriguez should have the stand up battle on lock and I was not wrong because what was it in the second round and within the first minute knockout that right and the crazy part it was she not she hurt her knocked her down beat her down. And Herb Dean, who's one of the best referees in the business today, he goes to jump in, but he's not sure, but he gets too close to him. So I guess, you know, I guess Rodriguez like felt him on her. So he she got up because she thought he was stopping the fight. And as she's like trying to walk away, Rebus has that one has her one foot as she's dragging it away. And she turns around. Rodriguez like, what? You're not going to you're not stopping the fight. And Herb Dean's like, no, I'm not stopping the fight. Not, Not yet. So now Rodriguez now has to run over back to her opponent. Rebus is trying to recover, and but Rodriguez was able to uh, hit her with the right elbow that rocked her again, and then hit, followed up with two right hooks to the jaw, put her straight out. That was it, and um, it was really impressive. I, I by the you know and and I know Rebus you know she had a really impressive victory the one uh, the fight before uh, she got a really nice good submission, um, but this one. Rodriguez played the card right. Like she knew, like, oh, I have the length. And if she wants to get me to the ground, she's gonna have to go through these punches. And that's exactly what happens. She could not go through those punches and got knocked out. Big props to Rodriguez. Uh, I think she won over a lot of fans with that performance because a lot of people like me were like, oh, Rebus just got this impressive win. I can't wait to see what she does next. You know, so you know, congratulations to her uh the next fight was andrew sanchez versus bear with me now mac hamad mer adov mac mahan yeah 
This one wasn't that interesting. This, at the beginning, let me let me let me let me rephrase. At the beginning, it wasn't that interesting. I didn't I didn't know any of these two guys. Uh, they sound like some up and comers that were coming up um, until the commentary team was speaking about Marka Mahav Murdov. I hope I'm saying his name right. That he's actually signed to Mayweather's money team. You know what I'm saying? Like that's bananas. Like he's the only, I think, MMA Russian fighter that's you know I think he's Russian. I mean, I, I believe so. That's uh, on the on the money team on the MMA team. Like it's that's crazy. Like I wonder. Like that one just blew me out of the wall. Like it just turned me left field. I was like, what? He's on the money team? Like what the hell? Like. Why is he on the like what? Like he doesn't even look like someone that would fit in with with Mayweather's team or anything. But uh, I guess they made a deal, and you know maybe you know. And I made a joke, but maybe it's not a joke. Maybe Mayweather wanted Khabib to be on the money team, and but Khabib is you know rich among rich. Like he's you know even before becoming the UFC champ, I'm pretty sure he had a good amount of money. But after becoming the UFC champ, I'm pretty sure he doesn't really have to work another day in his life. When he retires, which is why you know everyone's talking about if he's gonna come back or not, because he's in he's in that Mayweather. Um, excuse me, not Mayweather. He's in that Connor stage where he has money. So if he decides to come back for thirty, and no, great. But if he doesn't, he he's fine. He doesn't have to work another day in his life. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I was surprised, but I I had made a joke like, oh maybe Floyd was trying to get Khabib, and Khabib said no. So now they're looking for another prospect in that area. And they picked a really good one because Murdoff, you know, knocked out Sanchez in the third round within three minutes. In the three minutes within the third round. And I was really impressed. I was like, wow, okay. Like I can see, I can see I can see what, what the what the uh the money team saw in uh in Murdoff. Like he was really impressive. He had some really good combinations. Um his boxing was really good, his jab was really good. Uh and he and his but he was he was using his kicks and knees as well. Um Putting all that together, he he hurt Sanchez a couple of times. So uh, I was really impressed. I was like, wow, you know. And that fight actually got the performance of the night. So Mert, so Mahad actually got the performance of the night, which means he got fifty thousand dollars extra on top of his show up money and his winning money. So whatever he made there, he got an extra fifty thousand as a bonus because he got the performance of the night, which is really cool. Um, so moving on to the next fight, we got Jessica I versus Joanna Collarwood. Uh, this fight, I thought Jessica was going to kind of dominate and outbox uh, Joanna. I was completely wrong. Joanna literally uh, not only had good boxing, but she was using her kicks very well. Leg kicks, body kicks, front kicks. Anytime they were disengaged, kick. Anytime they were going to engage, she would clinch her up and then disengage and then kick her again. You know what I'm saying? And it seemed like Jessica could not get into a rhythm. You know, like, you know, because even when, when they would go to exchange, I would realize Jessica would throw one punch and then try to get into the clinch as well. And Collarwood would be like, oh, yeah, I would love to be in the clinch because I don't want to get hit with a hook or uppercut. You know what I'm saying? And even in the fight, Collarwood seemed like she was throwing punches. And when they started to engage, it seemed like Collarwood was kind of like uh, closing her eyes, you know, as if like, oh, don't like, you know, bracing for impact. But it never happened. I just got I hit her. Don't get me wrong, but you know I think once Colorado front realized like oh like you're not hitting me with with the opportunities that you could hit me with because I'm closing my eyes right in front of you, 
bracing for impact and you're not taking those opportunities, I think that's what Kyla Rose started to get her confidence and she just took over the fight. You know what I'm saying? It was a close fight. Both ladies did exactly what they were supposed to do. They followed their game plan to the T and Kyla Rose just came up victorious. See, her, her stand-up was really, really good. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I expected more. I expected Jessica, if she was going to be in the clinch, I expected Jessica I to hit body shots. You know what I'm saying? I expected knees to the body, hooks to the body, and then come up and crack her with a hook or uppercut and then disengage. But it was the complete opposite. They Jessica I was too comfortable in the clinch, but not throwing strikes. And if you're going to be in the clinch, you got to throw strikes. This isn't 2005 anymore. This isn't, you know, you, you can't just hold somebody on the ground or on the cage and just sit there for, you know, a minute or two and think you're going to win the fight. And I think that's where Joanna was always throwing strikes in the clinch, out the clinch, engaging, disgaging. There was always a strike coming. And I think that's how she won the fight by decision. Um, uh, I really liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, Joanna showed me that, hey, like, she can really, believe, she still has time to be a contender. If she can make this ride and win one or two more, she could be fighting for the belt. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think she... It's, it's, it's possible, you know what I'm saying? And right now, um, I think we need it, you know what I'm saying? The 125 champ, who is it? Uh, uh, Lee, I believe? Yeah, like, Whaley needs, needs somebody to fight anyway. So, I think Joanna can, you know, if she wins one more fight, she can probably put herself in that contender's area. But then, but then, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ. We get into the co-main event at USC 257. We got Dan Hooker versus Michael Chandler. I said it on my Instagram. You know, I'm going to start posting stuff on my... I literally just get so caught up in everything that I start posting things on my um, on my personal page, but I don't post it on my um, actual podcast page. And I think I, I need to start doing that to get some more engagement. But Dan Hooker versus Michael Chandler for the co-main event... I said it on my Instagram, so I said, this is going to be a banger for a fact. And I was not wrong. Uh, I didn't. So the way this went down, Michael Chandler knocks out Dan Hooker within two minutes and 31 seconds in the first round. I didn't see that coming the way it happened. I thought, you know, I thought they were going to exchange a little bit. And I thought Michael Chandler was going to use his hands uh, to take down Dan Hooker and beat him down for a round or two. And then maybe get a TKO or a decision. That's what I thought. You know what I'm saying? I don't mind telling you that I was completely wrong. You know what I'm saying? Because either the way I saw it was either that way or Dan Hooker catching Chandler with a left hook that rocks him. And then, you know, Hooker was going to just drop on him. But I didn't think that because Chandler looked so thick. You know, like he, he looked healthy. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it, you know, for you to knock somebody like that who, who looks in shape and has been active... You're going to have to really crack him hard. But Dan Hooker is, is, a, is a hard hitter. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm not going to lie. So that's how I thought the fight was going to happen. What ends up happening is Chandler is literally stalking Dan Hooker around the cage. Literally stalking. And they're exchanging here and there. Excuse me. And uh, burped up a little bit. And Chandler comes in with those overhand left hook uh, when he duck, like he ducks down, brings the left hook over, cracks uh, Hooker in the head, I mean the chin, excuse me, and Hooker falls into the cage, and literally Chandler just starts racking him on the cage, like it was bad. Like Hooker, I don't even think Hooker even was able to defend himself properly. Like he got cracked, he was rocked. 
uh, and Chandler made a huge statement, letting every putting everybody on notice in the division at 155 that like, hey, I'm here. Like, you know what I'm saying? Y'all thought I was just some, you know, I'm, I was coming over from Bellator and y'all thought I was just going to be, give y'all like a decision or play it safe in my first debut fight. And like, he said, no, he said, and that's, and that's the beautiful thing. You can tell that Chandler wasn't nervous. He was excited. And I think that's what happens to a lot of fighters when they go through the progressions. Chandler was fighting for uh, Bellator MMA for years. You know, uh, you have to go back. Was, we're in 2021. You would you would go back until 2013, 2014. So he's this is a seven year process that he's been fighting, getting ready, getting that experience to come fight in the big fights at the UFC. Like, don't get me wrong, Bellator has some really good fighters um, and in a really good competition. But you know, Chandler said himself at the press conference, the UFC is where you want to be. The best fighters are at the UFC. So I think Bella, I, I think Chandler made the right move. He. He got his, he made his bones in Bellator, got the experience, got to become champion, got to go down a contender run. He's done all that already at one promotion. So now that he gets to the big promotion, it's really not, it's nothing new to him. And I think that's what happens when Dana White says, when he does his Dana White contender series with these young guys coming up who, who, who've only had three or four fights. And he lets them know like you're really good, but I think you should go out and get some more fights and get some more experience before you come back like literally you, Michael Chandler is the poster boy of get some experience make your bones and then come to the UFC and, and fight the best of the best he's they literally put that to a T I was like wow that's crazy like that's bananas right there and uh yeah I'm impressed and like I was always impressed by Michael Chandler but this was on another level you know what I'm saying Especially since Khabib was like, I'm looking at the two, the co-main event and the main event. I want to see somebody impress me. If he wasn't impressed by that, I don't know what what you could be impressed by. But um, also, what did uh, Chandler also got a performance of the night as as well? Um, so he gets um, he gets fifty thousand as well. So at this point, just to make to make sure I, I've. I'm going with everybody getting bonuses. Marina Rodriguez got performance of the night. Uh, a bonus, basically. They, she got a bonus. Mark Lovov got a bonus. And now Michael Chandler at this point, the co-main event, gets a bonus. So now we get to the main event. Now at this point, when when we get when I see a fight like this, where you have two really good fighters, I really can't pick. I'm usually that that person who watches a fight like the one that we had for the main event between Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. And I'm like, this is a 50-50. These are two legitimate good fighters, you know? Um, so I really don't choose. But usually I choose but because I was hanging out with Sam at the in, at his crib and everything, I'm going with Conor. You know what I'm saying? That's usually... Anytime, usually when Conor fights and, we're, and I'm with my buddies, I pick Conor and they usually... Everyone picks against him. So it's beautiful when Conor wins. And they're all wrong. Like, I truly in, enjoy it. Um, I, I like rubbing their face in, in it and everything. But uh, he, but Sam was going for Dustin. And I don't even know if Sam was going for Dustin because he he really thought Dustin was going to win. Or if he was just going for Dustin because he just wanted to go against me and wanted to see Connor get beat up so he can rub it in my face. 
One of those two things is true. I can't tell you which one it is, but one of them is true. Uh, so the fight was uh, main event comes up. These two men get into the cage, and I think Connor did a really good job in the first round. I think Connor won the first round. Now here's the thing: Dustin Poirier started throwing leg kicks, and here's where the controversy comes in. Sam is telling me McGregor isn't checking any of Dustin's leg kicks. I'm saying no. McGregor is checking those kicks. They might be still going through, but he's like he's checking them. After rewatching the fight, he Connor was definitely checking them, but it was the kicks within the exchanges when both men were throwing those calf kicks that came in beautifully. I think is the ones that hurt him because Connor took two in the in the first round that he didn't defend. Since then, he started to check them. I think. And what I, what I think is he was checking him. What he says is he believes he was checking him incorrectly. Like, you know, so that goes there. But also DC, Daniel Cormier from the commentary team was saying that Connor wasn't checking him. But I but I swear he was checking him. And Connor says, yes, yeah, I, I was checking him. It, just, it wasn't working out. You know, it wasn't shin to shin. I was putting my foot. Because usually when you check a kick, you bring your knee up to your chest and bring your shin out. You point your shin so you have to point your foot outwards, the opposite, like the opposite side. Uh, so that way, if they kick you with their shin, uh, it'll collide with their shin. But since you're standing still, you get less of the pain. Uh, the person throwing the kick with momentum and velocity usually gets hurt if you check a kick. Connor wasn't lifting it up; he was just stepping to the side, stepping outside with his foot at an angle. And I don't think it was—I don't, I don't think it worked uh, to his advantage. Uh, but even with that, Connor cracked uh, Poirier twice, like cracked him. Like I was like, oh, like had me going like, okay, he he about to get knocked out. You know what I'm saying? Like those are some really good shots that you know McGregor caught him with. Uh, first round comes through, I give it to McGregor hands down. Um, even with the kicks that Poirier was throwing, I still give it to McGregor. Second round, whole different story. Um, Second round showed me that Dustin was definitely prepared for Connor's left hand because Connor at one point threw two sharpshooter left straights down the pipe where he's he wouldn't caught anybody else. He threw two of them back to back, and Dustin was able to actually dodge both of them. Like he was able to bob and weave them out of the way. And I said, This is dangerous because now this lets me know that Dustin has that left hand scouted. He doesn't just have the left hook. He has the whole left hand scouted. And Connor did his best to, you know, throw kicks from the right side to make uh, Poirier jump to the left so he could hit him with the left. But I think Dustin had that plan perfectly. Um, the leg kicks definitely started to come in. And after he finally hit him with the final leg kick, Connor said to himself that his, like, I knew his leg was, was, was done. You know, people like, Everyone that was watching the fights with me at the time thought that he got rocked. And then um, that's what led into Dustin Poirier throwing a barrage of punches. And that's not what it is. Like, I knew exactly once he got hit with that final leg kick and then he got hit with that punch, Connor usually readjusts. this. Like, he doesn't mind, you know, readjusting, stepping away, going back to the middle of the cage, 
to fight. When he didn't do that, and he got caught that punch, and Dustin Poirier is coming at him with volume of punches, not really the hard punches, kind of like how the Diaz brothers do it. If you're familiar with them, they don't throw 100% into each punch. They throw 40, 50% punches, and then out of, let's say they throw six or seven punches, only two of them are going to have some mustard on it. Only two of them are going to have that really, you know, 100% punch, but it's the one that they want to connect the most. Uh, Dustin did a really good job of overwhelming uh, Connor. Connor tried to duck, and he literally walked right into a right hook to the face. Just boom. It put him on his ass. Dustin came on, hit him with one or two shots. The fight was over. Um, really happy for Dustin, you know, because they fought before, and Connor beat Dustin in the first round. Dustin now in the rematch has beaten Connor in the second round. So a trilogy, this is this is the second trilogy fight that Connor can come back to uh, if he wants to. And I think he I think he does. You know what I'm saying? The Nate fight is also an interesting fight. Uh, I you know, I think he should choose Nate because Nate has been inactive as much as Connor has been inactive. And I think that could be a good fight for both of them. Um, And that's not me making an excuse saying that because Connor was inactive. That's why he lost. Dustin had a great game plan. Uh. Connor said it himself, uh, but when, you know, but Dustin's been in there. Dustin has been fighting. Dustin has had, he's made sure he's been active. He's fought within what? Within the last two years, he's fought at least three, three times, I would say. And I know for some people that's like, oh, that's not that much. It, it, it's enough. You know what I'm saying? It, it's enough. You get, you get that, you need that cage experience. You need to know how that feels to be in that cage. I think three or four times he's fought. Since he's, you know, going back from fighting Khabib for the championship to now. I think he's fought uh, a good portion of times. Uh, he's been active. You know what I'm saying? When you're active, you're loose. You're not that, you're not tense. Um, making adjustments is easier. And I think that's why I put a Connor, him being out since early 2020. Um, he was supposed to be active all 2020, but with COVID, it makes sense that he didn't fight because a lot of fighters didn't fight either. Um, it makes sense for him to be rusty coming to this fight. And I know some people say that rust doesn't exist, but I think it does exist. Um, so, yeah, Connor got knocked out. And literally, the worst part of the whole night is watching Sam jump off his the damn couch, screaming, going, yes, 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 yes. Like, and, oh, my goodness. I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I hate losing because I'm so competitive, but I hate losing even more when when someone else is betting against me. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, I should have made a bet. Shout out to my man, Ben. Always on the goddamn ball. My man, Ben, put up some money. He got back literally, you know, over three stacks off that fight. Of a, He, he put some money up. He didn't just put $100. Like, he put some money up. He really put some... Um, he really placed a, a, a bet that was really... And then you got to remember, fights go... It's 50-50. Two guys walk in. One guy walks out a winner. My man Ben was on the money. He put. He said, Connor doesn't look right. I said, no, nah, Connor looks really good. He looks shredded. He said, no. Nah. He put money down, won back three stacks. Over three stacks. Almost literally... I think he was only like a... Yeah, about over three stacks. He's, he won back. Uh, on betting on Dustin. I should have bet it. I should Jesus, I should have, but but I didn't. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. So what's next? I don't. 
I don't know. Khabib says he wasn't really impressed with any of with anybody. Um, Dana wants to make Chandler versus Dustin if Khabib doesn't come back for the 155 title. Uh, Dustin says he doesn't want that because Chandler's the new guy on the block. He only fought one time. He shouldn't just go in and just get a title shot for one win. He should fight at least, you know, two more guys before even being considered in that contenders. And and I think that's kind of true. We have to. I have to find out today what they have Dustin at and his ranking. Because I mean, not Dustin. Excuse me, uh, Michael Chandler in his rankings because Dan Hooker was ranked number six and Chandler because he's new. He wasn't ranked at all. So now where do you put Chandler in this list? Because he just beat the number six guy impressively in the first round by knockout. So, you know, I think they should put Chandler at least in the top ten. I wouldn't be surprised if they put him in the if they give him the number six spot. But I think top ten is where Chandler should be. I think he proved it in that fight. Uh, but that's just that he's not interested in that. So I don't know where you go from this. Because, you know, maybe you do Oliveira versus Dustin if Khabib doesn't come back to defend this belt. Maybe you, you do that one. Charles Oliveira versus Dustin Poirier for the 155 belt. Um, but, yeah, it, it's hard to see Chandler not fighting for the belt, either in his next fight or the fight after. It's kind of hard. So we'll see. Um, hopefully Khabib comes back. It would be kind of cool to see him get 30-0, but if he, only, if he stays at 29-0, I can't be mad at him. I can't. You know, you you do your thing. You know what I'm saying? Like you you earned it. You you worked hard enough to walk away from the sport at any time you want. Um, but yeah, Connor says don't don't sleep on him though. He said don't sleep on him. Uh, I know that you know Dustin and Chandler may look like the number one contenders uh, fight right now, but don't count them out. He said he said I'm gonna be back. I'm gonna make the adjustments. And look, if there's one thing that I know about Connor is that when he says something is real. You know what I'm saying? That's not me dick riding him or anything like that you can go back and and just watch his interviews and press conferences from when he first started and everything he has said came true so like you know i can't doubt the man so i don't think connor's done i think he'll he'll come back hopefully and uh put some more shows on you know what i'm saying get 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 way better but all right guys thanks for listening that's that was the two a ufc 257 fight card recap what i thought what I saw, the results. Uh, hopefully, we, we get some news. You know what I'm saying? Thank you for listening to another episode of Philly Talks. I appreciate you guys. Stay safe.